You're listening to episode number seven of The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. Welcome to The Road to Seven podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their road to seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins. Susan Pierce Thompson is an adjunct associate professor of brain and cognitive sciences at the University of Rochester and an expert in the psychology of eating. She is president of the Institute for Sustainable Weight Loss and the founder and CEO of Brightline Eating Solutions, a company dedicated to helping people achieve the health and vibrancy that accompany permanent weight loss. Her programs utilize cutting-edge research to explain how the brain blocks weight loss, and every day she teaches people how to undo that damage so they can live happy, thin, and free. On today's episode, Susan and I talk about her journey from writing her book from the place of meditation to launching and growing a seven-figure business and looking at those key decisions that she made along the way. Susan, thank you so much for joining today on the Road to Seven podcast. Uh, I've actually been following you for a good five or six years now. And it's funny because I first learned about you through Jeff Walker, where I looked at, I was following you through your business and through what you're doing and watching your launches. And then last summer, a friend of mine handed me your Bright Line Eating book. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so this is what she's talking about because I'd only ever been watching you through the business lens. And so then I read your book cover to cover and I knew that you have so much to share with the listeners on the who are also on the road to seven, not only in their business, but also through the bright line eating and what it is that you stand for. Yeah. So thank you for coming today. Let me ask you this. What inspired you to start your business in the first place? Um, I didn't, (laughs) I, 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 I never intended to start a business. There was no moment at which I thought to myself, I think I'll start a business. Um, what happened is I wanted to write a book Mm -hmm. and there was no business part of that at all. It was like, just, I want to share information with the world. And Mm -hmm. that inspiration came in my morning meditation. Um, it just descended like a mandate from the universe. I don't want to sound too like whatever. I don't want to rhapsodic or egotistical or whatever. It's important because it it really, it exemplifies that when you're connected with who you want to be, what you got to do and what you're going to have is going to follow. Totally. So I think that's a powerful statement. Yeah. I was living in integrity. I was, I was, you know, really clean with my food, supporting other people with their food, teaching a college course on the psychology of eating, Mm -hmm. reading about the neuroscience of food addiction and about, um, you know, the psychology of willpower and other topics that really interested me. And through those readings, I kept coming up against just a vast chasm of ignorance um, around what it really takes to lose weight and keep it off, what the right approach to food and weight and all these issues is like. And and I kept coaching people um, who are wildly successful and I was doing a lot of service work in my 12-step food addiction program. Um, And unlike other people in that program, I had a real scientific bent on it because I was, you know, my PhD is in brain and cognitive sciences, and I was teaching this college course about all this stuff. So I was really thinking through how what I learned in my 12-step food addiction program was, you know, like, 
what's going on underneath the hood like I you know in my brain in my psychology um, and in my habits like how 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 does the science of the, of of it all support kind of how miraculously this thing works and um, and I kept bumping up against oh my goodness you know people out there just don't the experts out there don't have any any clue about what it really takes to lose all your excess weight and keep it off for decades there's just no clue and so I was in my morning meditation this was Jan I only know this because I uh, I keep a five-year journal which if you don't know what that is google it it's a really cool thing but um uh, I've looked it up and so it was January 26th of 2014 mm -hmm. um which is funny that you say you've been following me for five or six years because um I, I, things about me only came out uh in the Jeff Walker world three years ago do you yeah. know that it was only three years ago Interesting. It's those it those five. Like it feels like five or six years. I know and because it's so funny how time is so like many different channels in my mm -hmm. in my being and in my feeds. It's mm -hmm. it does feel like longer. It's been three. So Brightline eating has existed for four. Okay. But of course, it takes a while to get the the you know the shuttle launched, right? Sure. So you wouldn't have heard about it. Uh, yeah, except for it would have been three. I can probably go and find that email because mm -hmm. I was hooked right away. Now, tell me, it was July of 2015 the blog that Jeff Walker did on? Was that a yeah. game changer for you? Was that one of the pivotal moments? Not really. It was like more like a capstone moment that okay. just sort of you know where I I was really I felt really privileged to get to share with the world you know um, and and really I was just wanting to express gratitude to Jeff for um, his guidance and stuff. Mm -hmm. But no, it wasn't, it, it didn't uh, at all. Like um, it wasn't one of the tipping points. No. So no. tell me about the tipping points. You know, here you are, you've got this passion. You have a message that there just is that calling to be heard. What were those strategic moves that you made that had the biggest impact on your business growth? Um, so the first one, I guess, would be I got into massive action, and I just stayed in massive action. Like when the universe told me that. So what happened in my morning meditation on January twenty sixth, two thousand fourteen, is I heard a. I don't. I don't think it was a voice, but it was in language, and it was delivered straight into my being, and it said boomingly, "Write a book called Bright Line Eating." Wow. And um, I'd never heard the words "Bright Line Eating" before. Wow. Write a book called Bright Line Eating. And my, for the rest of that meditation session, my being started to pulse. Like I was, I think I was rocking back and forth a little bit with waves of an embodied feeling of the desperation and the prayers of all the people who are like I used to be, who are in the fetal position on the floor, crying, writing letters to God or to themselves saying like, why can't I solve this weight problem? Like here I am again desperate you know i keep starting another plan it doesn't work it's like ground it's like groundhog life you know yeah. where again and again and again the food has me by the throat my weight is unmanageable what is going on why you know i can do anything in life i could you know i'm a i'm a good person i'm effectual at work with my family i'm kind i'm you know, um, a go-getter maybe, like pr pretty darn smart. Why can't I solve this? Like I keep really feeling like I'm knuckling down and dedicated to 
figuring out this weight thing and solving it this time. And I start off, I know what to eat. I know that I'm supposed to be moving my body and eating healthfully and it doesn't work. And I, I like, I started rocking with that frustration and desperation and those prayers. I started Mm -hmm. feeling the prayers. And, um, so anyway, I got into massive action. Like, like that day I was at Barnes and Noble buying a book called how to write a book proposal. Right. And the next morning, I was setting my alarm for 4.25 a.m. because my days were already packed from 5 a.m. until 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. No rest. I had three kids, ages mm-hmm. five, five, and two. I was um, a college professor teaching multiple classes every semester, assistant chair of the psychology department, and I was doing about 30 hours a week of service work in my 12-step food addiction program. There was no time except between 4.30 and 5 a.m. So I would set my alarm for 4.25 a.m., and from 4.30 to 5 a.m., I would write my book proposal, and I didn't miss a day, not seven days a week for months. Um, And so that was the first thing is I got into massive action. I just started doing whatever the next step seemed to be. The next step that uh, I think was a really, what did you call it? Like a, like a, like a, a tipping point, a tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. So I stumbled on Jeff Walker stuff. Um, and, um, I committed to following his system without deviation. Right. And, and there was a moment I remember where I was watching these videos and I think it was actually funny enough, a moment where he bobbled some word or sentence and he didn't, he didn't, like he just kept going. Right. He could have reshot that video. It yeah. was like a seven minute video and he didn't. And there was a sense in which like something in me said, this guy's really trustworthy. And more than that, he, um, he talked about how his followers had sold at that point, like maybe more than whatever, $500 million worth of wow. stuff online. And he'd been doing this for, you know, basically since the internet was a thing. And um, I related to that kind of success because that's the success that I, you know, felt like the system that I was following um, had with people with weight loss, like Mm -hmm. orders of magnitude better than what you see out there. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of related to the feeling of like, you know, if you want to do something extraordinary, follow someone who is, who has a long track record of teaching people how to do that thing. Yes. And, and um, something in my gut said, just follow this guy and don't, don't take your foot off the gas and don't take your eyes off the yellow line on the highway. Like you're just following this path. And that was a moment because I think a lot of people get really distracted by, you know, sort of shiny object syndrome Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sign up for yet another course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did do a lot of courses and I did, um, but only in as much as I needed a little bit more information for the next step in Jeff Walker's system. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So the product formula, you followed it to a T, you didn't deviate. That's right. I've heard so many people say that when you are taking a course from a master, don't deviate. Don't create the first time out. Totally. Follow it to Follow it a to, T. To the T. I mean, with the copy that I sent out in the pre-pre-launch email, straight yeah. out of the book, launch. Right. right. Like, no words changed. Like, right. that's what I sent out. And I did the seed launch. Like, I built a list of 300 people. I right. did a seed launch exactly like he describes. Mm-hmm. Then I did, shot the three videos, like all that stuff. So that was the other thing. Um, I'm sure there have been more. Maybe maybe another tipping point was like um, um, building a team and learn and really you know becoming an ninja delegator and an ninja delegator. Who yeah. was your first hire, Susan? 
Um, Christine Davis. Well, mm-hmm. Stephen Gomez and Christine Davis vie for this title. It's a long-standing sort of rivalry in Brightline Eating because um, Stephen Gomez was the roommate of one of like my best student ever. I was still in touch with her. She's like, let my roommate build your website. You don't want to do a Wix or a Weebly or a Squarespace website. You need to build it in WordPress. And I was really feeling beleaguered and I didn't want to take the time to do that. And she's like, trust me, just talk to this guy. So he built my website for free. And, um, and I sent him a, I was so broke at the time, so broke. And, um, I didn't really have it, but he, he and I had been working together daily for weeks, and I sent him a $200 Circle K gas card. I asked my Amazing. student, Jen, where does he get his gas? He's always talking about his commute and how he hates it. So that was in the summer of 2014. We got that website up. Mm-hmm. Chris Davis came on board in December of 2014, a good six months later. Um, Stephen became full-time four months later. So Chris was the first full-time employee. So- Stephen... So and a I, website, a web guy was your first hire. And then contractor, we could a, say with a $200 circle. A web contractor. <laughs> <laughs> what made him say yes? Do you think? He, um, he's a sweet guy. He's very service oriented and he loves tinkering online. He's like the, the consummate it hacker, you know, he, like he, he breaks shit and builds shit online. That's what he says. You know? And is he still with you today? <laughs> Yeah, he's That's the chief technology amazing. officer of Brightline Eating. And Chris Davis is the chief um, chief of staff. So nice. I was just like a few minutes late to talking with you because I was talking with her and she was reading me the, we call it the weekly flash report of what mm-hmm. all, I mean, there's like 27 or something full-time employees in Brightline Eating now. You've got um, 27 full-time employees now. With full benefits and good salaries. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, get a napkin out and figure out what payroll is. It's ridiculous. No, I can, I can do that pretty quickly. <laughs> so the strategic moves were getting the guidance, then hiring powerfully. And it sounds like you hired people that were really in alignment with what you're doing. At what point, Susan, did you realize that this was or had the legs to be a seven-figure business? Or did it just evolve? Was it a plan? It was not a plan ever. It completely mm-hmm. evolved. It was like giving birth. Like it just, the, the waves, the contractions just kept coming. Yeah. But at some point I remember, um, well, I did my seed launch that brought in $11,000. That was enough to like mm-hmm. pay off the credit card and take the family to California for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And buy product launch formula, which I hadn't bought up to that point. I've been following right. Jeff Walker's guidance from his book and his three launch videos up right. until that point. Um, and then I did my first launch with the three videos and that brought in like 160 something thousand dollars. So that's a 10 X return on the second launch. Yeah. And that's when like my husband started taking notice. He's like, Whoa, Whoa. he he saw 160 something thousand dollars flooding into our account in a 10 day period, five day period, whatever. And, uh, yeah, he's a finance guy that got his, his gears turning and 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 then like three months so that was like and that was only three or four months after the seed launch and then three or four months later I did it again and brought in 170 something thousand dollars and that's when I got a napkin out and was like okay uh I'm planning to do another launch before the end of the year so you know this might be a 400 and something thousand dollar a year Mm -hmm. and that's probably around the time when I realized I could grow this business to seven figures probably. I mean, keep in mind, everyone, like, you know, you don't keep all that money. 
<laughs> Those sound like really big figures. That's not yeah. like that's not that's, profit margin. That's not profit, right? Yeah, take me to take me to Bahamas. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but now I do go to the Bahamas, you know, right. and that's nice, but um yeah. Are you still teaching? Oh no. So, um that first year I was, those first few launches yeah. with three little kids. That would have been crazy. God bless me. God bless you me. Did it. it was insane the first year. And then I, uh, I appealed to the board of trustees for a year's unpaid leave of absence. I was mm-hmm. tenured mm-hmm. Um, and they granted it. And mm-hmm. so that gave me a year. And then I applied for another year and they said, no, mm-hmm. like you, you have a tenure line. We need people to teach psychology classes. Um, and you either come back and teach, you know, uh, all your classes and like do your academic duties or um, give up your tenure line. And so I tendered my resignation, I believe in um, the summer of, and I, you know, stopped being a tenured psychology professor in the summer of 2016. Yeah. Um, Did that have a shift or an impact when you finally closed that door? Um, psychologically there was a thing there and I shot a vlog about it. Like mm-hmm. you can find that online, literally yeah, like in my it. office with, surrounded by boxes, like packing, you know, Actually, leaving I my office. Um, but, but in, in terms of the business, no, again, like, no, we, I was still like, I was on the same path that I'd been on. And you know, what's funny is I don't even remember at, at that time, any um, ease, up in how much I was working. Like I was still working to a nub Uh, every moment, every breath that it was possible to be working. I was still working. Uh, That was not, one might think, well, that was the tipping point of like bringing some sanity into my life because now I'm not juggling a full-time job now. Like professorship was, I'd been a professor for so long. Um, Mm -hmm. That was kind of on autopilot really. I was showing up to do the hours, but I was thinking about bright line eating, you know, it, every moment. So, um, no, there was no shift there. <laughs> what has, what was that moment where you were able to, or have you been able to put some kind of a boundary around you? So you aren't working yourself to a nub anymore, or, or is that a tendency for you to do? No, it's not at all. Um, and I have a lot of spaciousness in my life now and mm-hmm. I scrambled to get that back. Um, and I kept trying to for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept kind of, you know, it was something that I talked, I have a lot of support. I, I have um, a couple of really great life coaches. And one of them, this guy, Clive Prout, I've been working with for like 16 years. And he, he started to get concerned because I was working so hard and I was mm-hmm. having breakdowns and meltdowns and whatever on a regular basis because of the workload. And, um, and I kept telling him, um, I'm not a workaholic, Clive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and all is fundamentally well, like this is just what it needs to be. And he wanted to believe that, but it kept, you know, with the launches and everything, it kept happening. And so he was really worried about me. And he, he, I started to become like the boy who cried wolf to him. And, um, and maybe there was about a year's time where I was um, really, really trying to be a ninja about reclaiming um, some balance. Yeah. And the business just wasn't in a place where, um, I could exactly. And then there was another layer of like letting go of the habits that, and you know, just the kind of ways of being that I had developed to survive for the three year, I guess three years that I, um, was working like a crazy woman 
So what belief then did you need to sort of tune into and shift to allow you to create that spaciousness? Because I would say that that moment is probably the hardest that I've seen in, in business growth is, is that letting go. Um, I think I had all of the beliefs I needed. The business had to mature to the point where they could come to fruition. Mm. So it was dollars and cents. No, it was um, leadership development on my team. Okay. It was, um, you know, basically my commitment at the end of the day is to the well-being of Brightline Eating and the people that it serves. Right. That's non-negotiable for me. Yeah. So I can only stop working myself to a nub when those people are getting served and the movement is still growing um, while I'm taking time off, right? Mm-hmm. So that requires a team that's um, hired, trained, cross-functionally supporting each other mm-hmm. um, with leaders in each functional area, marketing program delivery, operations, et cetera, yeah. customer support, um, and people under them that are reporting to them, and, and a chief of staff that is, there was, there was a point at which we had all that, but I was still the go-to person to unruffle all the feathers right? Um, because people only really, you know, people needed to, to be heard by me and to, to help hear my bigger picture perspective that yeah. everything was okay. And that, cause you know, we were growing so fast. Those pivots are hard for people to absorb. They get scared. Right. And, and change happens. So I had to get a chief of staff. That's Chris Davis, my first employee. She became the chief of staff and she's now the chief feather unruffler. So I got out of all those conversations right. and, um, did you do the training for her? Did you create that company culture and, and set the core values for them? Was I have really implicitly good? done that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the radical love and um, um, unwavering dedication to the well-being of our employees. Yes. Um, I have modeled that from day one. Chris Davis has been here from the beginning. So right. she... Um, has just come of age in that. And so it's second nature to her to be that way. And so there's a bunch of people now that have been on the Bright Line Eating team from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, um, I'm certainly not comparing myself to Jesus, but there's sort of like a, what would Susan do? You know, like, um, (laughs) you know, and they know that because (laughs) they've seen me, you know, like um, love people up in certain situations. And um, anyway, Yeah. So um, I will say, if we can backtrack for a second, that there was a shift that I needed while I was in the three years of hell of working Mm -hmm. like a crazy woman. There was a shift at some point in that period of time that was very empowering for me. Um, I had to shift from feeling like I was the victim of the overwork Um, Like I was doing it to myself. I knew I was doing it to myself um, and that I was making choices that were resulting in these all-nighters and, um, you know, really stretched too thin sort of meltdowns. I knew that I was doing it to myself. And I also felt like it was 
it was inevitable that it would happen this way because again, it felt like giving birth. It felt like, well, the mom can't really stop the contractions. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this launch needs to happen. I'm not going to like, you know, the, the, the things broke it. Like the video said the wrong thing. I'm not right. going to not write a retraction email right now. Hey, I said the wrong thing in the video. Actually, what you need to do is go to this link. Right. Like I'm not going to freaking go to sleep and not do that. I'm not going right. to let 400 new customers not have the right information. I mean, not only would that um, not feel good and I probably wouldn't be able to sleep anyway, but also it'd create more work because in the right. morning they're all going to write into customer support and, and then we have to answer all those emails. So like the business itself just required all this work. And so the shift in my thinking was, um, to, was from a place of disempowerment to a mm-hmm. place of empowerment where I realized I'm choosing mm-hmm. to keep my foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. That's creating and to do it right, to serve my people and the Bright Line Eating movement what I think is the right way. That is creating a, 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 a condition right now that is temporary mm-hmm. of ridiculous overwork. Mm-hmm. And I'm using self-care strategies and getting lots of support to the best of my ability to live through that. Right. And it's my choice. My foot is on the gas. And yes, I am creating these conditions mainly by putting these launches on the calendar and um, choosing to bring in this revenue, which is what I'm choosing to do because I don't want to fire people and I want to grow the movement at a certain pace. And that's what I'm doing. And so for a few years here, I am going to be months or years. I didn't know how long it was going to last. I am going to be overworked to a, to a degree that feels radically uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But given the set of constraints that face me right now, it's still the choice I'm making. I want to do that. And so and I'm going to, I'm going to get out of it at some point. I'm going to get, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but this is what I'm doing for right now. It was a huge shift for me. And so there was a point where then you had to ask a different question so that you could have a different result. What was the question or how do you, how were you able to shift from, saying, okay, I'm, I'm the victim. I'm creating this for myself. This is where we are to how can I continue to get these results in a different way? Um, again, it, it was more of a, like of a process of maturation. Like the, mm-hmm. so maybe the question was, how can I get, um, how can I get the support for me and my team so we can mature to to an organization that can handle this work without me being involved in it? And we hired a woman named Annie Pratt Mm -hmm. um, who um, trains leaders of teams and helps teams like exactly in the online space going from, you know, revenue of a couple hundred thousand dollars up to revenue of a few million dollars a year or, or higher, hundred million, 200 million, but mainly in that sweet spot of like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year revenue up to like, you know, maybe 20 million a year in revenue. That's kind of her sweet spot. And like, what does it take to develop a team that's going to shoulder that load? So that was the question. How can I develop my organization so that, um, the company can grow and the, and the, the, customers can be served and the bright line eating magic can happen without um, me overworking, without my day-to-day involvement in the same way. And I love how you took a similar path to uh, what you did even at the beginning of, okay, I found Jeff Walker. I trust him. I know that this is going to work. I'm going to follow it to a T. That's going to solve that problem. 
Now I'm wanting to scale and grow beyond seven and reclaim my life. So I'm going to follow the guidance of someone else. So I love that there is a pattern to your growth of who can help me get to where it is that I want to be. Just to close us out, Susan, tell me, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself back at that startup phase? Um, I would say, um, trust your gut always. Mm. Your answers are inside of you and mm. you will be, uh, the recipient of, um, you know, a lot of haters, a lot of pushback, a lot of, uh, conflicting, um, suggestions, um, all well-meaning. Well, a lot of it well-meaning and, um, the only way to navigate this path is to stay true to yourself. I love it. You are changing lives each and every day, Susan. Thank you for changing some of our listeners' lives today. How can we stay connected with you? Um, BrightlineEating.com. B-R-I-G-H-T-L-I-N-E. BrightlineEating.com. And there's a vlog. Um, I think there's a blog tab at the top or whatever. I shoot a video every week, you know, and uh, a lot of them are personal. A lot of them are related to the food and weight loss journey and um yeah if you want to stay in touch that's that's a great way to do it great we'll put that link in the show notes and thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it you're welcome it's been a pleasure thanks have a great day you too thank you for listening to the road to seven podcast make sure you subscribe to us on itunes so you don't miss an episode to learn more visit sheilacummins.com for more support along your road to seven figures and beyond in your business see you next time